Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there will be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. Today's episode is with my good friend, Chris Kremitzos, and you will hear me butcher his last name in the episode. So just a heads up. Now, today's episode is really important for you if you're looking to grow or monetize your podcast, because we're going to cover three very important things that you're going to enjoy from this episode. Number one, you're going to learn about Spotify ads, and I'm sure you've heard of them before. Maybe you've even dabbled in them. Well, we're going to take it to the next level today. I'm going to show you some advanced tactics and some advanced knowledge and wisdom around who should use them and who should not be using Spotify ads. Number two, Chris also shares some of his favorite places to promote podcasts on email lists. So we're going to dive into on this episode, how to promote an email list, who should do it, um, who to get in contact with, and also some of his favorite places to go if you are looking to spend some money to get in front of email lists and different people's audiences. Number three, we're going to cover how to monetize your podcast, even if you just have a few hundred downloads per episode. Chris actually has a good friend and a, a guy who runs a company that does this for small podcasters, and then they sell the inventory in bulk to large advertisers who want to get in front of podcast audiences. So if that sounds really good to you, then stick around to today's episode because you are about to listen to an amazing conversation I had with my good friend, Chris Kremitzos. In a world where ad costs are continually rising and prospects are getting more and more skeptical about who they can trust, how can you reach new people in a way that's authentic and effective? A place where you can build trust at scale and convert skeptical prospects into raving fans and clients. Hey, my name is Luis Diaz and you're listening to the Podcast 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 Domination Show. The place for entrepreneurs and businesses that want to know how to build a podcast that helps them grow their business, get more clients, and build their brand. I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. Cool. So this is fun because we always have some uh, some pretty interesting private conversations, but I don't think I've had you on my podcast yet, man. So uh, Chris, it's good to have you. And I don't think I've told you this story yet. I'll tell you a quick story about how I first found you, I guess I would say online. So I was listening, listening to a podcast. I think it's the guy who runs We Podcasts or We, the guy who runs We Edit Podcasts. Um, he, also, he also has an Australian event, kind of similar to PodFest. I was listening to his podcast once and he had this guy on named Chris 
Kermitas. And I was like, who is this guy? And I heard of your event and I was like, oh, snap. And I never heard your backstory, never heard you came from TV and never heard all the other cool things you did. So I was probably, this is probably like 2017 and I'm sitting there in my like, dot my, my kitchen cooking dinner, listening to this podcast, just being blown away. I'm like, man, like this guy is ahead of the game. <laughs> no lie. Like, like I, I'm not going to, I don't want to bullshit you. Like I was really impressed. So it's cool to call you a friend now, man. And, um, to have you here, man. So before we jump into all the, the cool stuff you're doing in podcasting, let's, um, for those who don't know you, give us like a brief, you know, 60 second background of who you are. And what you yeah. Do. Uh, my name is Chris Kremitzos. I started a, I started teaching podcasting 2013. A friend of mine had sold a course to this other podcaster. Gentleman's name was John Lee Dumas, who was learning podcasting from him. And he's like, you should check out this guy. It seems like he's going to grow. <laughs> so uh, that was Entrepreneur on Fire and it grew very quickly. So it was a good case study to watch. But from there, we did two workshops. From those, we 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 helped all these people get started. And they're like, hey, we still need help. So we created PodFest. And you know, whatever it is, six, seven years later now, PodFest is one of the largest communities in the world. We're physical and virtual. And very fortunate and grateful to have uh, earned a Guinness World Record during COVID as the largest um, you know, uh, podcasting conference over a week's time to take place with over 5,000 active creators. So I love creators like podcasters, YouTubers, anyone that's actively creating a show, I could resonate. My background, as you said, I actually taught myself how to do TV production through public access. So I'm like, I'm like the kid that never graduated, but loves this stuff and learns the hard way, if that makes sense. And, and you know, cause people like, what's your background? I like, I created my own background and, you know, we, we used to do live shows and bicycle in them. And I would learn how the old world would work. And I was always enthralled with YouTube and the new world and the RSS feed for podcasting. So luckily for me, I'm uniquely qualified to, uh, Lewis, I don't know if I ever told you this as a kid, don't ask me why, but I used to watch the television and yell at it saying they're programming it all wrong. This show should be at this time slot. Don't ask me why, but I was like, I could do a better job programming this and like now you look at it and at one time I had an epiphany, I program content for a living because that's what PodFest is. And people always ask us, how the heck do you put all the right speakers and bridge everything together? I, I have a knack for it that I really enjoy and I love watching people shine. Well, I'd never heard that story of you shouting at the TV as a kid. So that's an, that's an original. Um, very, very cool, dude. And, and and yeah, like that's a whole other art in itself, programming and like finding out how to slot the right speakers at the right time. So I never even thought about that part. I think that's probably subconsciously one of the reasons why I've never done an event or anything like it because I'm like, that just seems like a headache I don't want to tackle. You guys do it exceptionally well. You also bring together some of the best speakers when it comes to growing a podcast, producing a podcast, and just like really dominating in this space. So in 2021, as we're recording this, I've been getting this question a lot because there's a lot of new tools coming out. Like you've seen a lot of new companies spring up, a lot of different services come up and you're probably the guy I know who's always at the cutting edge of this stuff. So I just want to kind of have a candid conversation around like what's working for you in growing a podcast. What are you excited about? And, uh, and yeah, we can totally go from there because I'm sure there's some things maybe bubbling up right now that you're on your radar. Well, no, let me just share this. You're one of the four or five people I will always ping from time to time to see what's going on because you have Thank your you. finger on the pulse and that's important to know who knows what's going on. So right now, uh, there's a lot of international player apps I've been watching. So we'll go into like the traditional stuff that you and I both uh, do. 
but like Ghana right now, I just got off a call mm-hmm. with them earlier this day. That's the largest player in India. Mm-hmm. So English language. So a lot of the people that have grown really big audiences now are also looking outside of the U.S. because those players are international, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ghana, G-A-A-N-A, huge English-speaking market, great place if you want to find a new audience looking for new content creators. And we're working with them to create packages where people could uh, purchase paid packages for subscribers, but it's not out yet. But that's something I would pay attention to. Spotify ads have always been a favorite of mine, but we have seen... Um, so if you're not familiar, Spotify has an ad program that works just like Facebook. It almost looks identical to where you could uh, minimum, I think, is $250 spend. You could then create a target range. Uh, I'll give you some tips that I picked up on those ads. Uh, I do these ads for my wife's podcast. So her whole thing is Women's Meditation Network. So we only target women, which makes things a little bit easier in that we target half the audience. Right. But one of the things I've learned is you want to have a high frequency, meaning you want to be in people's ears minimum four to five times hearing the same ad before they click in Spotify. Mm. Okay. Uh, so your click-through rate goes up. Um, so what you would do then is target zip codes, which you can and target zip codes. So I would look at your stats, see what areas in the country you're doing well already. And then if I was doing a Spotify ad, I would target those cities or areas that you think you'd do well with that audience. And then you could do age demographic targeting. Uh, but my favorite part of Spotify is you pick, there's a tab where it says, I'm going to target podcasts. In this case, we're talking about podcasts. Health and wellness is their largest field. So if you're in that area, you'd pick podcasts, health and wellness. If you're business, you'd target podcast business. You'd, you'd click those two buttons and then you'd run those ads. Uh, credit to Adam Shable. He had said, hey, when you're in a city, do you tailor the ad to the city? And that's something I never thought of. So you might say like, hey, are you in New York? You know, you can almost talk directly to the person and tailor the ad to the individual to where it's a pattern interrupt. Like, are they talking to me? How do they know I'm in New York City? So you could literally make 10 ads targeting an individual city and the person that lives in that city. So that's just a trick I have not implemented yet, but I would say is worth doing. And Spotify itself will make you Spotify itself will allow you to write a script and they'll make the audio ad based on whatever voiceover profile you want. They'll give you choices. Like you could say, I want a British voice in their early, you know, you could even do age groups and stuff. So it's very unique and tailored. So you don't even have to create your own ad. We create our own ads. My wife voices her own ads and you could upload Mm -hmm. your own 29 second file and use that ad as well. I love that. And, And so the thing that popped in my head was local podcasts. Um, or podcasts that only have a market that's inside of their state, for example, like this is probably the more ideal way to market your podcast. If you're say in Nevada and you have a podcast, that's about oh, Nevada has pop. Absolutely. You know absolutely. I mean? like, like you can really drill down and look, get all those, you know, Las Vegas zip codes and literally just go to town on running your ads for that specific audience. So that's a really cool use case. I found I've played around with Spotify ads, ran a few campaigns. They were somewhat successful, but like, again, I didn't have the insight that you just shared here, which makes me want to go back and actually test them again. Well, we tested. So Lewis, I got to the point where we were testing other countries. You could get a lot out of other countries. So we tested Mexico. We're getting thousands of clicks. Now here's the challenge. Um, Spotify doesn't allow that anymore because uh, people like me were testing it. So an English ad pops up in Mexico, even though they do speak English in mass, people do speak English, highly educated audiences. They want more, obviously, regional um, podcasts. However, 
Hmm. Uh, the loophole is I'm able to place ads in Sweden, India, Germany, UK. So I do all the other English uh, speaking countries like Germany is dual language. A lot of those European yeah. countries are like dual language. So you yeah. could get a nice, a better return, much better. I would say a five to 10 X return compared to a US based ad. US based ads are, you're going to get the poorest results because their most right. money is being flooded into the US market, but you could do Canada will be the next best performing. Then UK is next. Then you get like Ireland. But when you get to like Germany and Sweden, it goes 500% increase in clicks. Wow. We have some German clients right now, which I'm like excited. Oh, you'll kill it. You'll kill it. You'll kill it in Germany for sure. I love it. Okay, perfect. That's really exciting stuff. I think that the what sticks out to me about Spotify um, before moving on here is the fact that you can target almost like a Facebook ad. Like you can get pretty darn dialed in as opposed to, for example, like we've all had these other directories that like you can put up almost like a billboard up on their certain categories, like an overcast or a podcast addict, which is fine. The issue I've always had with clients and they, we talked about that. They're like, well, how can we target certain demographics or how can we make sure this ad is going to moms who are looking for our kind of content or in this scenario, certain scenario. So it's, it's hard to target and you can't do that on those platforms. So this is the big leg up that Spotify gives us. And I'm, I'm glad you brought around the international audiences because that's a whole other playing field that I don't think a lot of people are playing in right now. So let's touch on overcast and uh, would you say podcast addict? Yeah. I started out with those. I'm sure you did too. The challenge is now they're charging anywhere from mm-hmm. 10 to $15 a subscriber. Uh, I think even up to 20, I don't know, Louis, you might know. I stopped looking because it got so outrageous <laughs> yeah. that it, it, it's great for a beginner, but if you already got some traction, even if you're a beginner, you really don't want to pay. I, I mean, I've talked to a lot of my friends. We all kind of have a consensus like up to $5 a subscriber. Remember, that's not a download. A subscriber is someone that's probably listening to the show. And you might lose some subscribers, but by and large, if they subscribe, they're going to be an active participant in your show. Right. So I would just be careful um, right now. I'm not saying it's industry average. I'm just saying my friends, the savvy buyers, we try a good buy as anything under $5 a subscriber, not a download. You got to be very careful on, on that. That's a different yeah. metric. But anyways, uh, so those options are out there. You mentioned it, Overcast, uh, Podcast Addict. The challenge is you're paying anywhere from 7 to $25 a subscriber, which is fairly high. However, if you want to get started and build your audience, that's great. Now, you mentioned newsletters. So that's the other thing we're doing right now. So there's newsletters out there for us. uh, Like I give you an example, and I'll send you the list, Lewis, but they're picky. So it depends on the podcast. So one of my favorite newsletters is Podcast Brunch Club, and that is all listeners of podcasters. So you could, for a very low amount of money, get in front of podcast listeners and they have listening groups all over the world. So if a couple mm. of people listen to your podcast, now they're mentioning it to a group, virality is already built into that um, yeah. to that community. So yeah. uh, Lewis, what I'll do is I'll send you the ad rates so you have it, but cool. they're very picky on who they, they let on there and they're not looking to make a ton of money. They're just looking to have a good fit for their audience. Right. So that's a great one I would look into. Um, news, there's a few. I forgot. I've done a couple of them, yeah. but they're worth visiting every now and then. They're not. Con- you don't want to consistently pound those because you're not going to get that return, but maybe once a year you hit a month out of a year on a newsletter. But if you have an industry, and you mentioned this specific, I would ask them to create a section for you to market your podcast, and I guarantee you they're not going to charge you a lot of money, and you're going to get more pop out of that because now your brand is in front of your entire industry let me let me rewind that for a second you said industry like an industry specific 
podcast can go to their industry and someone, you mean like someone in their space, like, Hey, like, can you promote our podcast on your newsletter? Yeah. Let's say you have a veterinary, a veterinary podcast about veterinarians or whatever. And you know, your industry, I've, I've been to the conference by accident because I was uh, in Orlando and they were next to me, but it was huge. I didn't realize they take up the entire orange County convention center. Mm -hmm. If that association, which I guarantee you, they have a newsletter that goes out. I could either ask them to promote me, right? Which they probably won't. Um, because I have a lot of other people, but I could say, Hey, do you guys have a paid spot? Now you're asking a different question. They're like, Oh, do we have a paid spot? Well, we do have this area that we allow people to great. Can you add my podcast? Uh, I'll give you my logo. I'm how much is it? And I guarantee you it's like 50 or hundred, but it's very low money. Usually they're just happy to get something. Now your brand is in front of your entire association. Every month they send out that email. If you could get it on a monthly basis, that's huge. I love that. I love that. Yeah. It's something I've always wanted to play around with. Um, and I've always mentioned it to clients because it's like, I think it's a great idea. It's like, go to your industry, find someone who's a player in your space. And if they offer ad spots, like some of our clients even charge for ad spots for certain ads and they make damn good money on it, <laughs> you know, find someone in your space or that, like you said, the industry association, um, veterinaries, um, you know, physical therapists, whatever it is and char and, you know, pay them to run your podcast. And, and they don't know what to, they don't know what to pay for that spot. So I would recommend those right. spots usually go for $50. And I'm being serious. I'm not making that up. They're very low because those associations usually charge thousands of dollars for their tickets, their booths, whatever it is, right? True. So an email thing has a low value, but for a podcaster, that's high value for us because that's where all the listeners are, uh, the viewers are scanning to see what's going on. And if they see a podcast and you happen to be the only one advertising and they could, here's the beauty about that by paying for a newsletter. And Lewis, you know this, the association gets a call from another competitor podcast Hey, why did Lewis's client, you know, obviously they don't know that. Why did Lewis's client, why, why is so-and-so in that newsletter? They paid for it. Oh, I could pay for that. Yeah, great. When's the next opening? Well, they paid for the whole year, but we'll have an opening a year and one month from now. But, you know, at least they could explain. It, it, it yeah. allows the association not to get like yelled at by five other podcasts that haven't been promoted. Hey, that's a promoted spot. Would you like a spot? Maybe they could sell a secondary one under yours. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter for you, the advertiser. It just, you need to understand why it's easier for them to sell you a spot than to promote you for free because they have to explain yeah. to their constituents why you're in their newsletter that's going out to 100,000 people in your industry every month or every week. Exactly. It's under undervalued uh, inventory, right? That's there, right. That, that's that right. You're finding, um, which is beautiful. And there's a lot of small things around the internet that you can find as a podcaster if you're looking and actively doing this um, or have someone on your behalf doing it for you. So you talked about Ghana, which I'm probably messing up the name here. We talked about Spotify email lists. Um, what are you excited for in the coming months, years? Um, we know Podfest, Podfest is coming up to 2022, which I'm excited for. Um, and and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of cool things going to be shared there. But is there anything on your radar that maybe not is ready yet or fully at its like critical mass point yet, but is coming? Uh, that there's you can there share? <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple of things that I can't share because of it's not out like publicly. All I could tell the active creator, there's a lot of money coming into our space. So I want to caveat this with one of two things. One, if you're doing podcasting as a hobby and you're happy, please understand that you should keep doing it. I have podcasts I do as a hobby and I love, I'm a lover of the medium as a creator. However, for those of you that are in the B2B niche or you're growing an audience, there's a lot of ad advertising agencies are looking to represent. So like we had a sponsor of one of our virtual events, uh, Podgo. They help 
uh, put sponsors on podcasts that are two to three to 500 downloads an episode, which is amazing. Mm. So we're seeing the commoditization of everything yep. going all the way down to the base level. So I, I, my, my excitement is podcasting unlike, so right now for video, right? There's very little competition. YouTube owns the space. And I, they're leaving, there's cracks being opened now because all these different things going on with censorship across the board. So you're seeing other competitors, but they're not even close to YouTube. Vimeo is a, com- a competitor for high def, the artists that want to use it. Uh, you have, you know, Amazon Prime, but they're going the movie route. You have Rumble, which is a competitor, but it's really in its rudimentary phase. So, th- so when it comes to video, like YouTube owns a space and how do I see it? Because I run a conference. So Lewis is something you should understand and you'll appreciate this. There's not a lot of sponsors I could get for a video conference. You know why? Because YouTube controls everything. So there's like four tools. Now the cool part is if those four four tools come to you, they're going to give you a lot of money because they've Mm -hmm. put time into it. Podcasting, there's hundreds of tools. So the the question is, why is that? Well, because that RSS feed, real simple syndication that your code is written on, you own it. So it's very unique in that you own it and you have to go through these hosting companies. Even though it seems cumbersome in the age of like things are like people are controlling what goes out, it's really freeing that you have full control. So what I'm excited about is this weird thing that for a couple of years ago we thought was a little bit um, rudimentary is paying (laughs) dividends because you could get your message. Like I give you an example, like right now with uh, the pandemic, there's a lot of different opinions around people's health. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, a lot of it can't go out, yep. which is surprising all of us. Like, it's like, whoa, this is kind of scary. Like, we can't have people debating, like, not even like just saying, hey, let's talk about it and see what's going on. But on podcasts, that can happen. Yep. So to me, the, 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 it's showing how this old technology, RSS, is really robust in that it's allowing for different opinions. And right now, anyways, we we don't see censorship coming in. So I think that's, uh, I, for me, if you're to ask me what the largest issue is over the last 12 months into the future, it's censorship. Uh, and how that's going to play out is you're going to get a lot more competitive products coming out on all fronts True. Um, in different ways. So that's what I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not to make this political, but then you'll see the back end of like the political litigation start to try and strike down all these other, all these other things that people are doing. Um, well, that's, that is the problem. Everything's become political. So I'm not even talking about political. I'm just talking about people getting strikes for stuff that they're not even talking about politics. They're just talking about, here's what I think. Here's what we're seeing. They're comparing notes on health issues. So we've never seen at this level anyways, in our modern society, trust me, like things always get political. That's just how human beings from the (laughs) Roman times, ancient Greek times, to the Persian times, it's just how it works. But um, in modern times, we've never seen where doctors and scientists are afraid to share and debate. That's very, um, very like eye-opening for everyone in that whatever your opinion is, fine, you should have it, but we should be able to debate it in the commons. And that's, that is, that's going to, uh, that's going to create, um, that's why Spotify is growing by the way, because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they took on Rogan and he became controversial in, in this time. And they're like, listen, they told their employees, we hear what you're saying, but we're, I mean, they can't censor Rogan because if they start censoring Rogan, they're going to have to censor all the music. And I was a kid back in the day when they tried to censor music. So now you're going to censor art. You're going to censor the rappers. Uh, you can't. Yeah. So th- that's what I'm saying. Like it's creating all this universe. So for the content creator, forget about the political aspect. It gives you more options 
which gives you more control and more money will flood into the area in different verticals. Whereas if you're just a YouTube strictly only, you're kind of screwed because you only have one vertical. And if if money shifts out of the YouTube, you, you want to make sure you have different verticals of distribution. Podcasts allows for that naturally in the way it was built. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like you have multiple, multiple channels, which your voice is going to be broadcasted on. And you, at the end of the day, control that as opposed to a YouTube channel or something else or a Facebook. I had a friend of mine tell me about the guy, his LinkedIn, some really high profile doctor got his whole account banned because he had a honest conversation about what he's seeing with the COVID vaccine. You know, again, like it was eye opening. We were talking about it just randomly. It's like, it's crazy. He got his whole account shut down. Like nothing, no, no warnings and nothing just because he mentioned that thing. Lewis, so. Facebook fact checked the CDC and said the CDC information was wrong recently. <laughs> so you'd put a CDC link and it would get flagged. So like the system wow. in that way is broken. And I think the majority of people understand this. I really do. I think it's like the majority understand like there's things that need to be fixed on both sides. I really, I don't think anyone would disagree. Like there's things that are off, mm -hmm. but um, how that relates to the content creator. Cause that's where I look yeah. at it. It's like, okay, well, it gives us more options. Uh, and it also gives us more diversity in platforms, which is what we need. Because imagine if podcasting was controlled by one entity, most people don't know, but when your podcast gets uploaded to Apple, I know you and I know this, but it goes out to like literally a hundred other players. People right. pick up that feed. It goes everywhere. So like, you're not just an Apple. You're like, people don't know. They, they might be in Ghana, which is like the Indian market. They might be in Ivox, which is a Latin speaking. So they pick up that feed. You're literally in hundreds of directories overnight from having that RSS feed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's hard. And you can't get that. Well, you can, but like, it'd be very hard to get shut down because it's, it's international. It's not one platform like you're saying. Yeah. So, so beautiful. Um, Before we got carried off in that conversation, I forget where we were going, but it's exciting things in the podcasting space. We've already talked about a lot of really cool stuff when it comes to growing a podcast. Um, Let's talk about, you mentioned um, PodGo, I think it was, um, monetizing inventory. In terms of monetizing a podcast, do you see the majority of people being able to monetize through like advertising or small one-off sponsorships and really cool collaborative deals with brands? Or do you see it kind of going somewhere else with this whole Apple subscription thing, which I haven't seen move at all, but, um, but yeah, curious. So some, some things, some things are going to do really well with, um, with subscription, uh, because the content people pay t for extra subscription stuff. But as far as like, I'm just looking up right now, uh, Podgo. It's podgo.co just to make sure you get the right uh, thing. They're, they're literally helping monetize the smaller players. Now, here's the key. If you only have a few hundred downloads, you're not going to make a lot of money. So I want to be put it out there. Like yeah. They're going to give you like $9 CPM or whatever. Whatever that is, it, 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 it turns out like you're getting paid 20, 30 bucks, if that, for the episode. The real money, if you're really looking to make money, is you either have your own back end consulting or you invented some kind of product and now you're doing a podcast that relates. So I'll give you an example. We have a guy in my office who invented, uh, we call them uh, the sound hockey pucks. They look like hockey pucks and they emanate uh, tones like meditation tones. Mm -hmm. He would be, it would behoove him to create a podcast with his sound meditation and say, presented to you by Solu, get your own, you know, whatever you want to call them, your sound hockey pucks at your house or whatever. So that's one. Uh, or uh, the bigger money is anything that's B2B, you could get a lot of money. I've seen people have four or 500 downloads and get two, $3,000 sponsored for an episode. 
if not more, because they're dealing with it, you know, manufacturing, machining. Right. Uh, they're the only one in the real estate niche, so title companies. So the transaction size is so high, they're willing to pay a premium for that audience. So I, I'm a big proponent of niche podcasters, which is the majority of people charging a premium for the niche advertisers that would be really perfect for their audience. And we've, listen, I have, I have a podcaster that I literally named the podcast. I was doing consultant work, Lewis, like just like you do. And the guy didn't see the forest between the trees. I'm like, why don't you call it X, Y, Z? I don't want to say the name. Mm -hmm. He's being offered right now, seven figures for someone to buy his podcast because there's a larger media company in his space and he has the name that they should have thought about and they want him out. And this guy's already yeah. created six figures in ad revenue in his first six months wow. because of the name representing the industry. I don't know if that makes sense, but those those do exist. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. see them every day, but if you placed it right, there's a lot of value in that branding. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's such a, um, it's so funny because there are some very small verticals like that, that can like just the amount of weight and leverage that they have, even though they're small, they're small, but mighty. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's a really cool story. And, um, if you're in the right industry or right niche and like going back to what you're saying, like having a very slim vertical serving a very specific market with a very specific message, um, can actually help you can, 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 you know, reveal like, um, disproportionate results in my opinion, you know, Hence the ad dollars and the ability to command that much respect in your marketplace to have a seven figure buyout. Really cool. I, I will say I have one other tip. Let's say you're a podcaster and now you've gotten used to podcasting and you have a niche audience, but it's not converting. My uh, and I've seen this happen. I would go look at YouTube, see if that niche is does well in YouTube, and try your not necessarily repurposing your content, seeing if you could create a YouTube channel specific for your niche. So we had a gentleman that has the private club radio. So he talks to private golf clubs. He was doing okay. Like it was, it was, it was, he was using it to fuel his marketing business. Right. But like a lot of people, he wanted to be a full-time content creator. That's like the Holy grail for a lot of people. Like I don't want to do the side business. I want to create 24 seven. So he created let's play through a golf show where he reviews golf products. It didn't start out that way. He thought, you know, people would like watching him travel and the show was very expensive to produce. And then one day he tried a Garmin watch and that thing had got 40,000 views. So it was like, okay, people like product reviews. Like you're always here. Right. Yeah. So, um, he, he calls me, I'm his best buddy. He calls me the producer of his show. Literally. I'm just a friend that watches the videos. It gives good <laughs> feedback, you know, being on it, like, honestly, like, but I like the producer hat. So it sounds nice. Yeah. But now he full-time, all he does is he gets free products from all the golf manufacturers and he's the number one in the U.S. or maybe top three golf product review channels called Let's Play Through. And he literally doesn't have a marketing team anymore. He does it full-time. He He's living his best life. He gets to get free products for golf, which he loves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets to open up the box and review them out on course or whatever. And that's all he does full-time. So what I would say is once you're comfortable with podcasting, if you're doing well, test it on YouTube as well. Maybe you're, maybe you're in the right niche, but you're in the wrong medium and you just need to like cross promote. Like I was saying, you just got to test stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Come down to like split testing and being strategic around that. Now, one question before testing, before, before moving on here, when you say, Hey, I'm going to do this test. So this is saying I'm going to roll out a YouTube channel. Like what's the timeline on that? And I know this probably varies from test to test, but if you had to give it a, an, an honest look, like 
and you're telling someone to test something, what's the timeline? Like, hey, give it three months, give it six months, give it 30 days. If that makes sense, what's the... Uh, no, YouTube, YouTube's a lot tougher. So I want to be very clear. It's not It's it's not even in the same realm of like podcasting is 10 times easier than YouTube. And people are like, why is that? We're not talking about repurposing your podcast on YouTube, which you can, you know, but uh, I'm talking about like, you're taking YouTube as a platform very seriously. Um, I'll give you an example. My wife does meditations. We're actually creating a YouTube channel. And even though it's fairly easy because her meditation track stays the same, we still have to find really good high quality images and video. Yeah. And she has a team that we found uh, out of Utah. They're great. It's we're still it's taking us two months to set up this channel. We have a team that's doing all the editing and everything. And that's someone that already has the content. So I, once you start putting out your content, there's two rules of thumb. If you're doing once a week shows, we've noticed that people, when they get to 50 or 60 episodes on YouTube, things start happening. A lot of times at a hundred episode mark, things really start happening. It depends on the frequency of how much you could pump out and yeah. adjust as you're going. Uh, there's a trigger in YouTube. If you could do four episodes a week for four months, you could literally like accelerate like three years of growth, but very few people could do that. Katie with her meditations yeah. can. So I'll let you know the numbers if you visit back cool. uh, what that's going to be like. But I, I would just say I would give a test on YouTube a full year. And I'm talking about that. You putting out videos and learning what the community is telling you. But if you start hitting the one metric you look at YouTube is only one uh, is your subscriber growth. And that's usually based on your watch time. And the one tip I would give anyone going onto YouTube, you don't want to promote your YouTube videos to your email list on your social feed or to anyone. And the reason is, and this is very counterintuitive for a lot of people is YouTube is a search engine. So if people like your friends want to support you and they click on your video and watch 10 seconds and jump off, they just killed your watch time. So yeah. you almost want people organically to find it. You have to do all the SEO right. And if they find it, the watch time, the longer they watch, the more it gets cataloged in the search engine and the quicker it could be found over time. Uh, so you want to be very careful how you promote your YouTube videos in general. Yeah, because then you fudge the analytics and then that gives you bad data and then that gives you... Poor and watch time is their number one thing. They want to know how long yeah. are people watching those videos. Right, right, exactly. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, hell, hell of a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, dude, very, very cool. Very good insights on YouTube. Um, we luckily found a really good YouTube guy not too long ago because I realized that was a huge, huge area gap. So, so yeah, finding those people and having them, um, having them come in and help, it's worth, they're worth their weight in gold. Like if you're really serious about YouTube, that's something you double down on is dialing in the SEO, dialing in the the messaging. And so you're going to get those lo longer, um, longer watch times. So thank you for that insight, dude. Some really good. Yeah. I think I'm going to put a list of video. Video editors are hard to come by good ones, especially for YouTube. But <laughs> yeah, you know, they're not easy to find. I might put, a, I have a list of four or five good ones I found, but I've been actively looking for them. Uh, it's tough to find great editors. So uh, I'm probably going to create a, a list, but yeah. So the, for Katie, we're putting her podcast on YouTube, but our number one objective is to get people that find her on YouTube to subscribe to her podcast. So we'll have links to all mm -hmm. her because we monetize better on audio. Yeah. The CPM is, uh, you could, if you're big enough, you could get better CPM than on YouTube. Right, 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 right. On so for so last question here on that. So YouTube using YouTube as a as a way to drive people to the podcast. In the description, how does that play out? Like in the descriptions, are you laying out like twenty different episodes? Are you laying out just one big subscribe button? Yeah, you just lay out your Spotify link, your Apple. You lay out the four top platforms. So here, listen here. 
Um, We're still testing. So I want to be very clear for my wife, because she does a women's meditation as a guided meditation channel. um, It works. It doesn't necessarily work for other people. But for us, we know that people can't sleep at night. They're going to find her stuff. And then they might want more and they'll, we'll get them to subscribe. And we already have advertisers on the audio side, on the YouTube side, you know, whatever you get one of those ads pop up up front, but you can't say on a meditation, you can't put ads in the middle. People are meditating. <laughs> so, so it benefits us to funnel them into the audio category. Makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Um, and they're used to clicking links. So you do better on your affiliate. You do better on everything on a description in YouTube because they're true interfacing with the video usually. True, true. That's really true as well. Um, I listen to some meditations on YouTube and and they're they're really good. But again, the podcast is what I'd rather listen to. So I, if they have a podcast, I'll go and find them. Yeah, that, that's our theory. I'll let you know. Visit back with four or five months. I have a feeling that that'll be her number. We're doing Pinterest right now, but I think YouTube will be her number one growth uh, platform for new subscribers into the audio world. All right, cool. Really interesting stuff, dude. So um, before getting before leaving this this episode and calling it calling it a, a quits, um, I wanted to quickly chat about Podfest. So you've had some really really cool runs. Obviously, COVID threw a wrench in that last year. Um, so it's kind of is it like from building from scratch now? Is it is it like just picking up where you left off? What is what is that like, and what can we expect for twenty twenty two? Yeah. So for twenty twenty two, luckily, uh, what happened is a lot of us would take our contracts with the hotels and just forward them a year out. And that's what we did. Originally this year, we we're going to do it in June. It was too close to COVID. Now with Delta flaring, it's like everybody's now we did a poll, by the way, 50% of our people would show up. Uh, so the challenge is not the people, it's the sponsors uh, and yeah. sending their employees on site. And when you get to our size, we're not a small conference where we could do it with 200 people. We need every. It's like a carnival. Like, you know what I mean? It's a yeah. festival. You need everybody there to make the magic. So we're, we're, we have the Orlando Hilton hotel, uh, May 25th through the 28th, uh, podfest is our site. If it, so the information that you heard me speak about, if you're an active podcaster looking for really deep dive type information, we're the home for you. Mm-hmm. If you're a beginner, we have beginner tracks for you as well. I just would not recommend going into like Lewis's track because <laughs> I'm being serious. Lewis yeah. is good for a veteran podcaster, because you might get lost a little bit, even though Lewis is great at explaining it. It's just a lot of information if you haven't started, but we we facilitate both worlds. When it comes to deep diving and information, Lewis, mm-hmm. w- there's no other place that gets deeper into marketing, growth, monetization. And then we have all the editors on site. So we, we do our best of bringing the right people together and we're a family. So we look out for each other. So if you come by yourself, believe it or not, you'll wind up meeting people within the first couple of days because of how we structure everything and you're not alone, you'll be leaving and be like, wow, I made like 50 friends at this thing. I can't believe they did this. It's all intentional collisions, making sure everybody connects. Yeah. And and that's the thing I think I want to highlight there is family. Like you actually do a good job of even on the online when you have one online, um, you did a great job of like fostering community and like doing the pop-up events and doing different things to make people like realize that like there's a lot of cool people here you can connect with and like you're not if you come alone you can leave with a lot of good connections like i always do um so whether you're speaking you're you're a great educator so you obviously i'm just i'm not i'm not saying this because i'm on your show but you are one of the best educators we have when it comes to marketing and of course people can connect you because you lay it all out on the table you share what you know and then next thing you know people want to meet up with you and, and trade secrets 
the the cool thing about our community is we don't hold back. So like what I'm sharing with you guys is what I'm testing in real time. Um, actually, it is to my detriment sometimes because I drive up my own rates, if that makes sense. But um, my philosophy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, right? But my philosophy is like, let's just share together and whatever. Let everybody do well together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I love it. Dude, this has been fun. One of my favorite interviews um, this year for sure. So Chris, um, for anyone who wants to connect with you personally or just learn more about PodFest, we'll have all the links in the show notes, of course. So if you're on an Apple device, just swipe up. But um, where can they go? I want to make sure they hear it from you. Yeah, I mean, I'm most active. Uh, if you email me, chris at podfestexpo.com. Chris is a C-H-R-I-S at podfestexpo.com. But you can find me on all the social platforms. It's just in today's marketplace, I'm on every platform, but the best way is just send me a direct email. I'll get back to you immediately. And I have no problem meeting with people, chatting and seeing how I could help them. Cool. Thanks again, Chris. I appreciate this, man. This was fun. Thanks, Lewis.